Under pressure? Never. It's Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We're talking sports for the next hour here on Talk Radio 96.7, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O in the Ozone, taking names and kicking posteriors. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at Ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. <clears throat> so, on this day, back in 1941, the legendary Lou Gehrig passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease. You might remember the great speech that he had in Yankee Stadium. Today, today. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Not only a great baseball player, but a true gentleman. You talk about a great baseball player. The term great is so overused in today's sports lexicon, not with this guy. How about this? 23 career grand slams. Alex Rodriguez had 25, but we know how he got several of those. So, in my estimation, Lou Gehrig is still the all-time leader with 23 career Grand Slams. In 1931, Lou Gehrig had 185 RBIs. Everybody knows that Hack Wilson holds the record with 190 RBIs, or 191. They went back in the records, and I think they did the same thing for Lou Gehrig, and they found another one. For him, because he used to have 184 in 1931, but he's now credited with uh, 185. 2,130 consecutive game streak playing every day. 493 home runs. 340 lifetime batting average. And he was the first in Major League Baseball to ever have his number retired. In 1934, he won the Triple Crown. And... Of course, his record for consecutive games was broken by Cal Ripken of the Orioles. But, you know, everybody knows the story about Wally Pipp and how he had a headache and Gehrig replaced him. But Wally Pipp was a pretty darn good baseball player himself. He was the two-time American League home run leader, won the 23 World Series with the Yankees, which was their first. And he also had 100 RBIs three times. He played for Detroit. Cincinnati, and New York. A lot of people don't know that about Wally Pipp. You know, he's just somebody that is a footnote in history. On this date in 1943, Niall Kinnick, who was the 1939 Heisman Trophy winner at the University of Iowa, died during a World War II training flight. He was flying off, he was flying an F-4F Wildcat off the USS Lexington, and he lost oil pressure, and he radioed in and told them that He was going to crash land in the sea, and even though the rescue boat got there in eight minutes, he still passed away. He he was trapped in the cockpit probably and um, drowned, but what a horrible thing. You know, this guy, today we forget about all these guys. A lot of people have what I call muscular recentitis. That means that if they didn't play in the ESPN era, then, you know, they're, they're no good. But this guy... Holds held 14 school records at Iowa. Now, 
Remember, he was the 1939 Heisman Trophy winner. Six of those records still stand. In 1939, he was 11 of 17 on drop-kicked extra points. He had eight interceptions, only 374 rushing yards, but he was also their leading passer and threw for 11 touchdowns. Now, here's the other thing. He also, also, get this, averaged 57 minutes a game. You know, we had the, the pleasure of having the great Joe Bellino on, the late great Joe Bellino on here, 1960 Heisman Trophy winner. And somebody had told Joe on a, a national show, well, you couldn't play today. You only weighed 185 pounds. And Joe said, uh, well, let me tell you this. He said, I played on kickoff teams. I played on kickoff coverage teams, punt teams, punt recovery teams, punt return teams. He said, <clears throat> now, he said, you let me drag some of these 300-pounders up and down the field for that many times. He said, we'll see who could play today. So, you know, my theory's always been that guys that back then, they weren't bigger, faster, and stronger than they are today. But if these guys now had been born back then, they wouldn't have been bigger, faster, and stronger either. I think it's all about heart and determination, and I think that guys back then could have played today because they would have been bigger, faster, and stronger than the guys, just like the guys today. Well, let's go ahead and take a break, and we come back. We're going to have with us David Whitley from the Gainesville Sun. He's been at the SEC meetings up there in Destin. So you're listening to Ronnie O on the radio, Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, I'm Jim Yarbrough, former Florida Gator and Detroit Lions. You're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Coach Joe's out this evening, but sitting in is Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O back in the Ozone. And with us on the phone is David Whitley who is with the Gainesville Sun. He's been at the SEC meetings. And, man, that's tough duty. David had to go out there to that beautiful beach. And, uh, of course, I'm sure you were working the entire time. Is that correct? Uh, not the entire time. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it it is, you know, <clears throat> you know the, the panhandle, the beaches there really are sort of, for, for a lot of people in Florida, the undiscovered gem. They're, they're, they're the prettiest beaches. The only problem is that, that the traffic has become like L.A. at 5 o'clock <laughs> right along Highway 98 there. But uh, it, I would recommend anybody who's looking for, for the for white, white puffy sands and, and aqua blue water, that's where you got to head. <laughs> well, I guess SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey put a kibosh on the expected Saban versus Fisher heavyweight boxing bout that we expected there to be the top draw on the card uh, but that never really happened, did it? No, and it, it wasn't really that surprising because um, he had sent out the the, the memo, uh, more or less saying, you know, let's cool it. And you know, Saban, Nick Saban, he had he had already apologized for for well, let's say semi apologized. He apologized for singling out uh, Texas A and M. He said, you know, he shouldn't have have uh, just uh, identified one school. But his his basic thrust was, you know, that that. This whole NIL pay pay for play stuff needs to be brought under control, and uh, you know, and of course the 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 sort of the wild card there was, was Jimbo Fisher, because you know when it, it's it's one thing. I mean, coaches over the years there've been some some gigging and and a few digs here and there. I mean, certainly Steve Spurrier was famous for it, but those were all you know pretty much in good nature. No, 
you know, just sort of like your, your kidding. I mean, fans took it seriously, but, but the, the coaches really didn't. But, you know, Jimbo, he, he sort of took it to another level with uh, his criticism of, of Nick Saban after that, saying that, you know, Nick is, <clears throat> thinks he's God and, you know, look in his closet and there's all sorts of things going on and that kind of thing. <laughs> he, he got he got a little personal. So nobody, you know, uh, nobody really knew what Jimbo might do, but he, you know, immediately he, he, he made nice and he said, yep, you know, I said it, but it's time to move on. In fact, um, I, I think he must have said move on about 14 times in his <laughs> press conference. I, I don't, you know, I remember moveon.org was a big organization. They're looking for, for, a, uh, for a, a president or a leader. I, you know, Jimbo, maybe he's auditioning for that. Just, uh, <laughs> he's, he's ready to move on. Oh, we've got David Whitley from the Gainesville Sun. If you'd like to ask him a question, the number is 682-1430 at 682-1430. David, it brings up an interesting point. Nick Saban made those comments at a booster meeting in Birmingham. And uh, when you go to these things, what is off the record and what is on the record? Yeah, Uh, that's a good question because over the years, there have been some interesting cases where coaches will say something thinking that – that uh, it, it, there's not a, a reporter there, you know, and, and funny, sometimes there's not a reporter there, but just a, somebody, a booster or just any attendee might, might say something that about it or, or even have it taped and let it get out. Um, I mean, it's not like they're, they really spill any state secrets, but they just tend to be a little more off the cuff about things sometimes. Uh, it, like uh, it's funny, like Billy Napier, he, he just finished his tour, his spring tour uh, a couple of weeks ago in Gainesville, and the the rule that they had for media was you can go, but you can't tape it. Um, and uh, but there was no like rule that you can't write about it. Uh, and so, but you know, Billy's not the type to go off anyway. So I, you know, I sat up there, and they, it was interesting. But he didn't say anything unusual. But you know, unless there's something specifically that they tell the media, hey, you know, uh, everything in there is authorized. You can't report it. Then, you know, there's like anything else. He's just up there talking to the people, and uh, away you go. Um, and, you know, and even if they tell you that, the, the, the reporter could still write it. I mean, he would, he would be doing himself a disservice because then he's going to be on, on, the, on the bad boy list, and he, he may not, you know, uh, he'd, be, he'd be violating the rules by doing that, and, and so he'd have to more or less abide by it. But, um, but I, I, I haven't heard of any, anyone who specifically says, you know, you uh, his band reporters, because that that just makes them more more determined to get in, and heck, they just buy a ticket like every other booster and sit in. If, <laughs> if it came to that, well, you know, funny. I was the MC the night that Steve Spurrier made the Free Shoes University joke about Florida State, and yeah. um, it had actually been in the Tampa Tribune, and then they took him to task for that. When actually, I think that's where he got it was in the Tampa Tribune. Really. Yeah, yeah, it actually well, been printed there prior to Steve yeah. saying that. And I told yeah. Steve there was a reporter there, and he he didn't care. I mean, it was a booster club meeting, and um, right. he knew that they were there. And I just thought it was funny that that was reported as something he originated when he did. Yeah, well, I, I, I uh, it was a good good line, and you know, he's had a few of them over the years. Um, but I, I didn't know he 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 it originated with the Tampa Tribune, although yeah, you know, I mean you're right. Spurs the kind of guy you could have told him that you know Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward were there you know, or whatever. <laughs> I don't care, you know, because he, he's one of these guys. He, you know, he, he wasn't going to make an apology for anything, and and you know he he was also smart enough not to say anything that he knew would really 
cause problems. You know, it was, it, it, I mean, free shoes, you get yeah, it, it upset people, but you know, here we are talking, making jokes about it and laughing about it 30 years later. Um, <laughs> and so, and, and it, yeah, it fit him. I mean, goodness knows, you know, he and Phil Fulmer, you know, poor Phil Fulmer was his, his personal punching bag for about, you know, 15 years there. And you think that Phil Fulmer would, wouldn't like, like, I mean, all the jokes he made about, you know, UT and all this, but, uh, you know, they're good buddies now. So, I mean, they all understand how the game is played pretty much when it comes to that. But, you know, as it relates to, to Jimbo and, and Nick, you know, that that they, they sort of had, I, I think, issues going, at least Jimbo has for years. And I think it, it just, that was kind of like the final straw. And uh, he just had to vent and he vented. And uh, and I think he is ready to move on. But I tell you, I mean, the the bottom line is, you know, this, this wasn't really a problem for the uh, SEC. I mean, it's just, just an issue we talked about. It wasn't a problem because, I mean, all it did was just give him a lot of attention. I mean, there were people at, at that spring meeting that, uh, you know, hadn't been, as far as reporters go. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was like the, you know, the Queen Silver Jubilee or whatever they're doing. I don't know what is it right now? Platinum Jubilee, whatever 75 years is, you know. I mean, God, God bless her. Anybody sits around 75 years. <laughs> There's <laughs> a jubilee, but I mean, I'm just there. There was a you know a ton of media there that wouldn't have been there otherwise, just just for the firework. Because you know it it sort of hits the you know the tabloid vein in all of us. We want to see what's going on. It was it was you know sort of like you know, the college football version of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. <laughs> Let me run something by you. I know I've heard different conferences talking about divisions and um, doing away with divisions and just having one big draw. And you know what I think is the impetus for that is I think it's like. The ACC, they don't want another ACC championship game between Wake Forest and Georgia Tech or something like that. And I think it's really a way to keep those lower-tier teams from getting into championships. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah. seeing something that's not there. What do you think? No, no. I know. I, I think you're seeing something that is there. I mean, it, it's not the only reason, but it, it's, it's definitely part of it. Because uh, it's true. You know, you can have you know one division that's stacked. And the other, just you'll have a, just a dud, and you end up with a dud championship game. You know, the SEC is is you know so powerful that it you know you can't you're never going to have a bad game. I mean, you know, the, you know, you, the worst you'd get is is you know, what what's the worst team in, in the in the West going to be? Texas A and M, LSU, yeah, Alabama, something. And then the you know it's going it's going to be a good a good team just to survive. Uh, but but the the uh, SEC, it, it it is just with the especially with the two new uh, teams coming on and and well supposedly three years who knows it might be sooner these days with Oklahoma and, and Texas they just need the reshuffling and you know the as a you know big point of discussion this week you know uh, it, it seems like divisions are dead all, all over and but uh, just will they have a nine game schedule eight game schedule you know there's all sorts of pros and cons for both I mean the interesting part of that is. Everybody seems to want to, uh, you know, designate a, per, a permanent rival or or two or three, depending on what model you go with, and and uh, you know some of them are pretty obvious. You know, Florida, Georgia, that is, is a no-brainer. But then you know who who would be number two and number three if you're a Gator fan that you'd like to see? I mean, who's your traditional rival? Um, you know, you can make an argument for Tennessee. You can make you know make an argument for for uh, Auburn. You make an argument for LSU. Yeah, but, you know, but all these have have histories to them. Uh, and but nobody's going to get everybody they want. Well, for for one thing, you know, you, you don't want you know free killers. You, you, if you're Florida, you don't want to ha- have uh, Georgia and LSU and Tennessee the way Tennessee. So, I mean, that's that's you know, three pretty tough games you'll play every year. 
you know, I think everybody would like, you know, a really a really good team, a so-so, and a Vandy. But, there you, know, you go. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know, if they were filling out, you know, uh, a secret ballot on, on who you want and who your three things are, I'm, I'm sure Vandy would, you know, would win in a landslide. Well, in addition to that, LSU gives you a great trip for the fans. You can go stay in New Orleans and then drive to Baton oh, yeah. Rouge. And same thing with Vanderbilt. In addition to the fact that Vanderbilt's probably not going to be that good, you get to go to Nashville. So you, you can't beat that. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that that's true. I mean, uh, and and smart ads are factoring that in because I mean heck I mean yeah uh, I don't know many people who say yeah I, I got to get back to Starkville my fans are clamoring to get there you know, cowbells <laughs> in Mississippi State <laughs> or you know or even even Auburn you know it's a great program but you know it's just you can't you can't get to Auburn you know? no, <laughs> they're exactly just, they're just no it's like the only place I've ever been that's harder to get to is like State College Pennsylvania which I'm not even sure is in Pennsylvania it's in there's some <laughs> Some secret uh, state beyond Pennsylvania because it's—I mean—it's like three hours from anywhere. <laughs> what What are you hearing about the twelve-team playoff? It, it seems like that there was jealousy and anger about the SEC. It was pretty much a done deal, and then Greg Sankey announced that Texas. Well, I guess he didn't announce it. It kind of leaked out that Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the SEC, and it was like, oh, we're not going to let the SEC get ahead of us. We're going to yeah. stop that twelve-team playoff, which. To me, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Yeah, I mean that's what it was. It was you know, the they call it the alliance. You know, it was uh, in the uh, Pac-12, Big Ten, and ACC. When when uh, the SEC made that announcement last year, you know, it, it just sent tremors to them, and, and they you know panicked and said, well, "We got to get some sort of counterweight to to this monolith that they're bringing." And you know, I I don't know how much of it was was just saying, "Well, look, you want to do this, so we're going to do that." Just regardless of what it is, but you know, uh, Sankey, who you know pretty much is the godfather of college uh, sports right now, uh, he said, "No, we you know we we want a 12-team playoff and and uh, and or an 18 model that and I you know it, it gets a little bit into the weeds, but but basically in the SEC you know was it's four it's four teams now and you know, people are sort of tired of that same four teams, so but it's okay by SEC because you know they're, they're they're dominating the four teams, so think, and it goes for another three years. And Sank says, "Look, we'll we're happy to stick with it, but we're we're willing to 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 uh, to compromise and make it make it twelve or, or expand. But you know, we have certain parameters we'd like to, and 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 basically the the other conferences they they want some automatic qualifiers, uh, too many, and and so if it's like six automatic qualifiers, that means you know the the champion of the, uh, you know, like the MAC might get in, and or or a non-power five conference, and so you just scratch your head and say, all right, so this team is was ranked twenty third, and they're getting in, but you know the 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 third best SEC team, which is ranked nine, isn't getting in. So you, you wouldn't you wouldn't be getting the best teams in, and and you know that I mean that's a pretty good argument against it, and so. Uh, but you know the the alliance insisted no we want to stick with you know with our thing and so Sankey just said all right well and and a lot of work went into, it wasn't just as you see behind it it was every other conference was for it and then the uh, the alliance torpedoed it and you know so Sankey just said all right well if that's the way we're gonna play and then so so he you know he sort of floated uh, you know a few weeks ago well SEC might have it just say we'll just have our own playoff which and get away with it and and. You know the argument. Bottom line there is that you know the the winner of an SEC only playoff would have a legitimate claim for a national champion. You know you can have that with it, but you can't 
you can't have it without the SEC. I mean, who, even if the, the other conferences got together, oh, let's have our own playoff. Whoever won that, the, the, the thinking would be, well, yeah, but you, you hadn't played Georgia, you hadn't played Alabama. You know? <laughs> uh, and so it, it, people, you know, ask, is, it, is he just bluffing? Is he serious? You know, I, I think it's both. You know, I, I think he's using it as leverage, letting them know it's out there. And, you know, and if it came to it, he would go there. I mean, and a lot of it gets back to just the, the golden goose of TV. And, you know, if, if TV goes for it and TV is willing to, to, to shower him with, you know, a billion-dollar contract for it, and, and they would, you know, that you – know, bottom line, you know, they, money will talk more than anything. No doubt. David got about one minute left. What would you say is the biggest story to come out of the SEC meetings? Uh, just – there's just the hair pulling still about this whole NIL thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's like the weather. Everybody's talking about it, but nobody really does anything about it because <laughs> they don't know what to do. You know, I mean, Jimbo Fisher, you know, he, he, he sort of summed it up. He says, you know, he, he said, you know, the answer is there is no answer right now. Anything they they do is going to face either, either legal problems or just they can't rely on the NCAA to enforce it. And, and so uh, for at least the foreseeable future, these guys and, and you know, that uh, they're going to be having to just, cope with this and you know this is the source of the frustration that, that you know that, that set off the Jimbo versus Nick thing um, and, and so it, it's all this is going to end up in court in various ways somehow but you know for the next you know two or three years it's still going to be you know it's, it's going to be as they keep saying the wild west no doubt David thank you so much really appreciate you coming on and I really enjoy reading your columns you're doing a great job up there and uh, we'll look forward to having you on again okay Ronnie have a good one all right that's David Whitley of the Gainesville Sun Tremendous writer. You're listening to Ronnie O in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Ronnie O, Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O, Coach Joe joining us from Sick Bay. Coach Joe, how you feeling? Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm hanging in there, Ronnie. Uh, good news, it's not COVID, but uh, it has knocked me off my feet a little bit. But the doctor says uh, should be all right in a few days. And uh, hey, in the meantime, uh, speaking of doctors, uh, sorry we couldn't be in studio tonight because this weekend Dr. Michaeline celebrates her birthday. I, I know she's listening. So well, happy tell her birthday. happy birthday. Happy she's birthday. she's old enough to vote now, right? <laughs> yeah, she's looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lots, of, lots of that going on. Uh, before I got sick uh, last week, you know, I was on the show. I was in Austin, Texas. I was uh, since they're going to join the SEC. I thought I'd do an advanced scouting trip. I stayed uh, downtown at a place called the Fairmont Hotel. My uh, nice room uh, overlooking campus at the University of Texas. I was looking right hard at the stadium, Daryl Royal Memorial Stadium there uh, in Texas, where the Gators will be playing a number of games probably in the upcoming years. And I got a chance, Alex and I visited campus, walked around a little bit. It's very pretty, very big, big campus. Lots of big things in Texas. And that stadium's pretty big, too. So there'll be plenty of room for Gator fans uh, when, when time comes in the future when we get a chance to play those guys. And they're building a new basketball arena there, too, to replace the old one. So uh, it'll be, uh, it's going to be an exciting time in a couple of years when they join the league. And uh, we'll. See, I guess. Do you have a preference uh, about what schedule format is, is going to work best? Well, I think they're, they're going to have to go. They're, they're going to have to go with nine games. And how they do that, I think you're you're almost going to have to go with the three and six because a team like Florida, for example, you know, one is as David Whitley said, you know, you want to get to play everybody every four years, but 
you don't want to load up with too many good teams either. And you don't want it from the fan standpoint. You know, right now we have LSU. You get to go to New Orleans and stay there if you want to every other year. And you get to go to Nashville every other year, which are two pretty good trips. You don't want to trade that off for, say, Starkville, Mississippi, um, which is not as big a metropolis as those other two cities are. Not that there's yeah, I, anything I bad about it. I don't miss it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you drive through some cotton fields, and there you are. And uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, I, I thought I saw something I thought was pretty funny. Hideki Matsuyama was disqualified from the first round of the Memorial because he had an illegal substance on the face of his three wood, and somebody took a picture of it and posted it to Instagram, and they found out that what he had was that I guess he had put um, white out on it and correction fluid it said and it helped him center the ball and so now now here's the difference in golf all right he hit they asked him they said have you used that club and he admitted he had and so he was disqualified now i guess if he hadn't used it that he wouldn't have been disqualified but in a lot of sports the guy would have lied about it you know i mean we've seen pitchers um, throw stuff out of their back pocket, you know, stuff like that. So oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't me. I don't know. I don't know whose nail file that was. You know, but. he's using hot water enough for for using it. You know, putting something on the face of the club uh, that's illegal. They, you know, they, the police said very carefully uh, to lie about it would have made him a pariah on the tour. You know, they, um, it's probably bad enough that he got caught doing it. It's not like baseball or other sports where you're expected to try to get away with what you can in golf. Uh, the guys take it personally because you don't have teammates. Everybody around you is competing too. And it's like, Hey, you're cheating me. <laughs> you're cheating the rest of the field. And they all keep an eye on each other. Well, it's the only one I know of where fans can call in and say, Hey, Hey, he grounded his club in the hazard or he did this or he did that. And they'll go back and say, yeah, you know, that's, that's true. He did. And, um, you can get in trouble for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I remember yeah, golf clubs used to be a lot simpler, uh, but then they can, technology changed in ways that we can't even imagine. But one of the ways they changed was the grooves, which used to just be like rounded out on the face of the club, and, and uh, they they came up with the technology. I think Ping did it first, where they they made the bottom of the grooves sort of squared. They squared them off, and. Uh, the technical part of it is the ball basically would stick to the club a little bit longer before, you know, sending off into the distance and that would create more backspin. And uh, so th- those were originally considered illegal because they were too deep or the wrong shape. But now I think then they became okay. And you can, that's I think one of the reasons these pros can do such magical things with a golf ball is the, is the, is the clubs. Well, you know, and that's one of the things that I really dislike about it is that you know, it used to be that the PGA regulated the distance, the, the golf, how lively the golf ball could be, and they regulated the clubs. And then at some point, I think they were just overwhelmed with all the technology, and so they just let it go. And it made courses, you know, obsolete. And, you know, the scores that guys shot previously were just obliterated because they were allowing too much. And, you know, it's just. Some of the stuff that goes on today, I guess I'm an old curmudgeon. I'm that old get off my lawn guy, and uh, you know it's just <laughs> well, well, what's happening? It's not so much a get off your lawn situation. It's some great old courses 
I couldn't contain these guys anymore because of the advanced technology. And it's one of the reasons why Augusta keeps lengthening holes. They've got the, the 15th hole now. They had to they had to find some space behind the 10th green to put the tee back there to make the 15th hole uh, avoid being up nothing but a long par four, you know, to make it a true par five. So, uh, and it's crazy. And they just keep finding ways to hit it farther. Uh, you know, Nicholas in his day was a big hitter because he could maybe occasionally almost hit it 300 yards. Now that he would be considered a short hitter on tour. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, again, I, I talked about this earlier. If he had been born today, he'd be hitting with those same clubs. He would be bigger, faster, and stronger. And if these guys were born back then, they'd be hitting with those persimmon clubs that he was hitting with at times. And so, you know, that that's one of those deals. But, um, you know, sure. on, on this day in sports history back in 1989, Vin Scully, the legendary Dodgers announcer, broadcast 23 innings in two different cities in one day. You know, probably his most famous call was, of course, the Kirk Gibson call, and we've got that. Oh, cool. Right now is at the plate. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! In a year that has been so You know, I still don't believe that that swing produced a home run. And, I mean, it wasn't a cheap home run. It went several rows up into the right field bleachers. And the thing about it, that was his only at-bat in the whole World Series. And the guy hits a home run that wins the game, and it just totally demoralized the A's. The A's were awesome that year in 1988. Eckersley hadn't given up many home runs, if any, in his new role as a relief pitcher is his closer role and uh you know gibson had been hurt and they didn't think that he was going to play yeah you know and we were i mentioned this last week two weeks ago how he was the uh a pinch hit world series home run that i remembered and it, it was one of your, those get out of your chair moments you know sitting there watching watching and then as soon as he hit it it brings you out of your chair <laughs> you know that was incredible hey uh a quick, quick um, footnote about that a little trivia question. You know, Vince Scully was doing the NBC broadcast, but on radio, Jack Buck was doing the game, uh, father of Joe Buck, and that that was the call where Jack Buck said, "I don't believe what I just saw." Oh yeah, yeah, that was a great call. Just yeah, <laughs> that, that was a pretty awesome call. All seven. I think Vince Scully to me was the best baseball announcer that I ever heard that, that guy he was, was just unbelievable. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was as good an announcer as they get. And, you know, he did a lot of TV in the eighties and nineties and he was amazing at that as well. What a voice. 67 you know, a, years with the Dodgers. 67 yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, that, that's amazing. And you know who he replaced? He replaced Red Barber, who was a university of Florida graduate. Oh uh, yeah. The Red Bird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Old redhead sitting up there in the catbird seat. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I, 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 yeah, it's, he's the Bobby Jones of broadcasters, I think. You know? Yeah. And they said that uh, Scully, the only guy who's with the Dodgers longer was Tommy Lasorda, 
who was a guest on this oh, show man. way back when he was still alive. And, uh, man, I'll tell you what. Well, we're going to take a break. We come back. We just might have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House for our sports quiz winner. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Andy Owens, currently serving on the 12th Judicial Circuit as a circuit judge, formerly a basketball player at the University of Florida, appearing on the Ronnie Ocean Show in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe proudly in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and I know right now you're hungry, you're thirsty, you can't wait for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. And we on this show, as you know, are curing hunger one person at a time. So here you go. For a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, if you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Here you go. We've been talking about Nick Saban. Nick Saban was a college football player. Where did he play his college football? Was it A, Alabama, B, West Virginia, or C, Kent State? That's 682-1430. Where did Nick Saban play his college football? Was it Alabama, West Virginia, or Kent State? 682-1430. Give us a call, and we will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, armed and dangerous with that $30 gift certificate. And as you know, they have over 40 strategically located television sets. They have drinking meal specials every night of the week. And, of course, you can get a lot to eat and drink if you don't invite Eric Clark because Eric Clark will eat all of your food, so you do not want to invite Eric. Hey, cut it out. (laughs) The the man eats like a steam shovel. So, you know, you don't want Eric Clark to go with you. So you've been warned. You know, there are people that have invited Eric, and they end up paying about $300 for his meal, so you don't want to do that. So we got a caller that's hungry and thirsty, and we cannot wait. So <clears throat> you you need to um, give us a call, 682-1430, if you're hungry and thirsty, because we are waiting anxiously to give that away. Um, you know, back in uh, 1993, uh, Johnny Mize died. Johnny Mize, of course, was a uh, 10-time Major League Baseball All-Star in uh, 1943 to 45, he was in the U.S. Navy. Hit 51 home runs in 1947, and he's the only player in Major League history to hit 50 home runs and strike out fewer than 50 times. Wayne, how are you tonight? Wayne, you there? Wayne, how are you tonight? Well, we're I'm doing l- good. How are y'all? Fantastic. You hungry and thirsty? Always. Oh, there you, there you go. That's what we wanted to hear. Where did Nick Saban play his college football? Was it Alabama, West Virginia, or Kent State? You know, I, I think it was Alabama. No, no, that's incorrect. Oh. <clears throat> that's incorrect. No, no. But now everybody knows that it either had to be West <laughs> Virginia or Kent State, but you can call back if you want to. The number is 682-1430. 682-1430. Now, you've got Alabama off the table, so we know that it's either West Virginia or Kent State. Was it the Mountaineers or was it the golden flashes of Kent State? So we'll see who's got the fastest dialing fingers in the West 
and they call back and they know where Nick Saban played his college football. So <clears throat> you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We've got you, another. You know, Ronnie, you mentioned those, those Wayne. What days. took you so long? Where have you been? Wayne, I hadn't talked to you. In, hadn't talked to you in minutes. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So where did Nick Saban play his college football? All right. Well, second time's a charm. Kent State. You're exactly right. He played for the Golden Flashes, and uh, he played for the legendary coach Don James, who went on to be the University of Washington's head coach. And uh, I think he may have even coached at Miami at some point. Coach Joe, do you know? Yes, he did. He he was there uh, for a little while, uh, briefly, and uh, yeah, he was a tr- tremendous coach, and one of the, one of the legends, no doubt. Yeah, and Wayne, nice work. Mm-hmm. It. There, there oh, you go, awesome. Wayne. You ever been out to Ale House? Uh, it's been a bit, but yeah. What's your favorite dish out there? Oh man, they make a great cheeseburger. Oh yes, sir, they do. Yes, sir, they do. <laughs> yeah. Man, I tell you what. Um, you know, I, I love their steaks out there. Everything I've had there has been really good. Uh, that was one of the things mm-hmm. that really made me fall in love with the Ale House was that, you know, for a sports bar, usually you go to a sports bar and, and the food's just mediocre. You're there to watch a game. But mm-hmm. not so much when you go out there because everything is so good and um, we love that. Well, if you'll hang on the line, are now you an Alabama fan? Uh, no, not particularly, but you know, I'm a Nick Saban fan. Yeah? How'd you get to be a Nick Saban fan? Just from being a kid growing up watching sports. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. Well, uh, hang on the line. Eric will get your information, and um, we'll send you out to Ale House. We'll send that out there tonight. You can go out there as early as tomorrow, and uh, you can All eat right. and drink $30 worth on us. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, Wayne. Well done, Wayne. All right. Well, back in 2001, former light heavyweight champion Joey Maxim passed away. Joey Maxim uh, is a boxer, beat Sugar Ray Robinson, TKO'd him. He beat Jersey Joe Walcott and Floyd Patterson. That's a pretty darn good group of guys to have beaten. Here's a guy you'll remember, Coach Joe. The second overall pick. In the 68 NBA draft was Wes Unseld. He passed away on this date at 74 in 2020. And do you remember who the first pick was in that 78 NBA draft? You were probably about two years old. The year before the uh, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird draft. Uh, So uh, uh, it wasn't as memorable a time in the NBA. Um, This guy was pretty memorable. I'm um, trying to, to think. The Big E, Would Elvin Hayes. Talk? <clears throat> no, Elvin, it was the Big, was Big Elvin e. Hayes, No, Elvin Hayes <clears throat> was, was earlier, right? 78 NBA draft, yeah. I mean, 68 Who's NBA draft. Rookie? I'm sorry, 68 NBA draft. Yeah. Oh, 68 would have been Elvin yeah. Hayes, yeah. 78, okay. 78 <laughs> Wes Unsell was an NBA champion with the Baltimore Bullets. And Elvin Hayes, yeah. They were teammates on, the, on that <laughs> team that beat Seattle. Yeah, in '78, and then in '79, in the '79 season, Seattle got their revenge in five games over Washington. They were the two top teams back then. I remember George Gervin had the bad luck of playing for San Antonio, and they just couldn't beat Washington. Back when both teams played in the East, things were a lot different back then. Man. <laughs> ice, George Gervin, ice, uh, yeah, ice man, yeah, and then, uh, uh, and this was before Top Gun too. <laughs> And then, then Larry Bird and Magic Johnson sort of changed everything. And uh, 
that led to Jordan, that led, and on and on we go from there. So, uh, although Julius Irving was still, he kind of threaded in, he kind of was the common thread through all of that. Um, but that was a great time, you know. That tonight is the beginning of the finals, and uh, Golden State's trying to win another one. And I'd probably be watching a lot closer, but the Heat lost the other night. Uh, what a close game, man! That, that's a tough series. They lost in seven to Boston. Yeah, but uh, it, it should be a good battle between those two teams. Uh, and, Al uh, Horford, former uh, Florida Gator, leading those Celtics. He's finally he he broke he he was the player who had the most playoff games without an appearance in the finals, and so he's off that tonight. So that's comforting, good for him. But isn't Chioza on the uh, Warriors? I think he is, isn't he? You know, I don't know. He may be. You know, uh, yeah, well, I, that would be worth watching just to see those two guys on the court. <laughs> you know whose birthday it is today? On this day, uh, Johnny Weissmuller. Everyone oh, remembers know. him as Tarzan, but he won five gold medals in swimming in the 1924 Olympics. He was in 12 Tarzan films. And in 19, I didn't know this. In 1927, he saved 11 people after a boat capsized in Chicago. And, you know, I knew about the Tarzan thing, and I knew about the gold medals, but I never knew that about him saving all those people. Back then. Yeah, uh, uh, that he was he was actually really good as Tarzan. I remember that, and he was quite an athlete. Uh, I believe he was an Olympic swimmer, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, and yeah, won five gold medals yeah. in the nineteen twenty four Olympics in Paris. And yeah. uh, you know, they filmed a lot of that stuff up in Silver Springs in Ocala. Cool stuff. I, that's an area I like, by the way. They get good stuff out there. Silver oh, beautiful Springs. part of Florida, beautiful. man! Just absolutely beautiful. Well, hey, Ronnie, I was very sorry to hear about uh, uh, Bart Bryant and yeah. getting into the traffic accident and passing. Um, certainly, really sad thing. Sad thing to hear. The world of golf and uh, in Polk County too. Well, and his brother year. Brad has been on the show a couple times. Very gracious with his show, time. Yeah. And um, now here's here's one that you'll like. You know who else's birthday it is today? Born in 1944. The little Cypriot tie maker, Garo Yaprimian. Now, you know, he was nine seasons with Miami from 70 to 78. People forget, though, that he was with the Lions, 66, 67, and the Bucks with eight and 80, 81. But, you know, as many field goals as the guy made, the one that they'll always remember is the one that he didn't make when he tried to throw that ridiculous pass in Super Bowl seven that Mike Bass picked off and took all the way back. And uh, it was the only points that the Redskins scored that day, and the Dolphins beat them fourteen to seven. Yeah, looking back, he should have just fallen down on the ball. Everything would have been fine. <laughs> he tried to throw it, and ball popped out of his hands. And then to make it worse, he popped it up in the air instead of knocking it down. Yeah, no doubt <laughs> about it. Stuff. On this date, stuff. you know, go ahead. You know who replaced Aguero? Uwe von Schaman. Uwe von Schaman out of Oklahoma. Yeah, he was the one who eventually replaced. Carroll in 1979. Yeah, didn't he miss a field goal in that uh, San Diego game? He missed two. They were both blocked, though. Yeah. By Helen Winslow. Yeah. On this date in 1940, yeah. Jim Maloney was born. He pitched two no-hitters for the Reds, and he lost one of them. He struck out 18 guys in 10 innings and still lost. Well, that's about it, mm. but we'll be back next week. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, and, of course, we'll be back next week with a good show.